Hello and welcome to According to John. Today we're going to answer a simple question. Why should we read or study the Bible? What didn't, good is it? Didn't Jesus say man shall not live by bread alone or yeah, bread alone, but by, by every, every word. word. Okay, John, you lost half a point there. Hey, I just ate, man. I'm half asleep. You Leave are. Okay. Uh, so we literally, uh, okay, there's this Indian food place right down the road from Not us. Not too shabby. Oh, my goodness. Dude, it is so good. So we just had goat and spinach with chickpea and chilies. Incredible. That was amazing. I never would have ordered that, but we just, John's a little <laughs> wild. He goes in, order, just bring us whatever you want. And he right. did, and it was fantastic. It's amazing. Wow. So I go into restaurants, and I'll tell them, especially I, if I don't know the restaurant. If it's a common food place, then obviously I know what I'm going to get. But if it's a unique place or a special place, or even if I go out of town and we go to a restaurant, who knows the food better than the waitresses yeah, or the waiters? And so I, they'll come to the table, and they're like, what would you like? And I go, you pick it, you bring it, I'll eat it. At that point, you're saying, I trust you enough to take care of me. And, dude, I'm telling you, they always bring a good meal. I learned that from you, John, and it's the second time in four days I've done it. I was at a Thai restaurant. I was at an Indian restaurant, and I came out really happy both times. Then you get, you're kind of on a deeper connection with the, yeah. the and then you went, turned around and told them about Jesus. That's what you always do. How cool was that, though, dude? Because I got <laughs> he was his... wide open. He was listening. It was really cool. He was interacting yeah. with us. He's from Bangladesh. Uh, yeah, we came here as a little boy from Bangladesh. Twenty twenty six years old, but he extended me the grace of a few minutes that I could share. And when we got done, he was like, "Wow, that makes sense." Mm-hmm. You never know. You yeah. never know what's going to happen. And and the, here's the reality: is if we don't read and study the Bible. You can't do that. Mm-hmm. Always be ready to give answer to the hope that lies within us, and that's the Bible. And be instant in season and out of season. Mm-hmm. Well, how can you be ready if you don't know, uh, if you have yeah. no sword? The Bible says holding forth the word of life. Yep. <laughs> hey, guys. I <laughs> Tell us who we are. Tell them who we are. What we're doing. <laughs> exactly right. Hey, this is According to John. I am your host, John Westfall. This is my co-host, Pastor Duke Herget, the Duke Meister, which is funny because on the last podcast, I didn't introduce us. That's okay. I think they know by now. But if not, just look at the title. You'll see who we are. Hey, I am so glad that you are joining us today. And we're going to talk about the importance of reading and studying Scripture because I'm going to tell you, it is so empowering to know the word of God. So let's go to the Lord in prayer and then we will get started. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you and love you. And Father, as we open up your word, as we look into it to show and to see why it is so important and the advantages that we gain from studying your word, from reading your word. Father, I pray you open our eyes and our ears and our hearts and that we would bring you honor and glory. Father, speak through us and use us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So, As we look at this, obviously, the most obvious answer to why we should read and study the Bible is because it's the Word of God. (laughs) It is God's words. You know, I didn't even know that until I read it, and I came to the conclusion, man could not have written this book if he wanted to. Well, one of the reasons that I agree with you 10,000% on that statement, and I don't know that people realize this, 
But one of the reasons that man could not have written this and proof that he could not have written this because there is nowhere in history where a man would condemn himself to such a place mm-hmm. and force himself to humble and realize he had nothing to do with it. Like, you know what I'm saying? It, 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 it takes humanity to both ends of the spectrum at its extreme. And I don't know that humanity can do that without God. Yeah. All the <clears throat> biographies of the Bible give the, the ups and the downs of people. Even yeah. the great people had some yeah. serious issues. <laughs> and uh, if I'm writing an autobiography, all it's going to be is how awesome I am. I'm going to tell you how much of a loser I well, am. And, and you're going to give yourself a way of escape. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is still dependent upon you. So you can say, look yeah. what I did. There's no, never been a book like it. It's the most quoted book ever. It's the most best-selling book right, ever. Right. It's most translated book into other languages ever. Most loved book ever and the most hated book yeah. ever. And are you ready for All this? At the same time. Every year, I don't know if you know this, but every year it is the number one. One bestseller. Uh, uh, well, no, guess what? The number one stolen book every year. <laughs> No joke. It is every year. Those Gideon Bibles come up missing from the hotel. Every year it is the number one stolen book uh, in the United States. Every year. How about that? That's I did not know that. Yeah. <laughs> but how about this? You know, what other book has a group of people risen up called the Gideons that they would sacrifice their own monies mm-hmm. to get the Bible into hotel rooms where right. people are sometimes uh, in hotels that are uh, in, a, in a bad state and they open up a drawer and what's staring them in the face? A holy Bible. Yeah. And it's also the only thing that you could steal from me that I'll celebrate you have it. <laughs> yeah. Right? Think yeah. about that. It's like, oh, dude, you just stole life if you read it. Yeah. yeah. If you read it, what you stole will what take care of you forever. I remember <laughs> at the beginning of my journey in reference to the book, the Holy Bible, I was out by a pond. You've heard the story my friend Roach, my hippie yep. friend. <laughs> He stumbles across. I was wasted. He was wasted. Typical gritty. Hey, what's happening, man? And I answered him, honestly, I have no clue. <clears throat> Do you know what's happening? He said, no, no clue. This is the Vietnam era and all that stuff. And he gave me the greatest counsel anybody ever gave me. He goes, well, man, like if God ever talks to you, man, listen to him. Right. And then you know what? Uh, God is speaking to us right here. The word of God. And, well, uh, and... That's the, interestingly enough, that's one of the discussions that we had with Shaquille at lunch today. Mm-hmm. And I, and I told him, I go, dude, I feel so bad for your generation because he's 26 years old. I said, I have a daughter as close to your age and, um, you know, within a couple of years. And I said, your generation has been lied to and deceived probably more than anyone else. Yeah. And the reality is because if you look it up, there's, I think there's 4,400 different religions in the world. And I told him, I go, that's not true because there's only two religions in the world. It's either Christianity, God's way or humanism, man's way. That's it. And how interesting is it that they have taken the Bible God's way out of all of society with the exception of the churches and they're trying to shut churches down, Mm -hmm. but they have left all of man's way open 
being evolution, uh, everything that they want to teach about man. Listen, you can't teach Christianity in school, but you can teach Muslim in school mm-hmm. or, or, Islam. or um, Islam. Islam, thank you. Do I get a point? You got a point. Okay. Christians can't have prayer time in school, but they'll set a special room aside for meditation for the Muslims, Muslims to go in and, and, and pray to the East. I mean, dude, so here's what they've done. They've taken God's way out and they have put man's way in. And I was telling him, I said, you know, those that that work for the government, their job is to discover counterfeit money. The interesting thing is the way that they understand or the way they can identify counterfeit money is they master the original. Yeah, the acute study of the real deal. The real deal. And then when the false deals are up, there there you go. They can point it right out. Immediately. <clears throat> because they they look at it and they, they immediately know it doesn't line up with the real. Mm-hmm. Well, isn't it interesting that society has tried to take the real out of society, which is the Bible. Mm-hmm. It, it's the only book that's condemned. It's the only book that the government doesn't allow, doesn't allow in schools. Oh, but interesting enough, enough they allow it in jails. <laughs> Maybe if they put it in the school, they wouldn't have a jail full. Yeah, I think, I think it's connected, Johnny. Right? So why should we read and study the Bible? It is literally God-breathed, 2 Timothy 3.16. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And then if you were to go into 17, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. We'd be lacking nothing. Well, people say, well, man wrote the Bible. Yeah, man, man penned the Bible, but they penned the words that God breathed. Mm-hmm. Plenary inspiration. Plenary. 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 It's been a while since I've been in Bible college. <laughs> God breathed. How about that? It's God, hey, God breathed. And if I'm wrong on plenary, I'm editing a whole I'm, section I'm 45 years. I'm 45 years away from theology class. Give me oh, a break, dude. Oh, my goodness. Right? Yeah, some of the words why do we love? Tough. Why do we love each other so much, John? I don't know. Gee, I don't you know, know, Ed Walls used to, to teach all of the... Um, uh, theology courses. Theology courses. Mm-hmm. Good friend of mine yeah, too. Yeah, I love him to death, but he drove me freaking crazy. <laughs> it's not a long drive, John. <laughs> <laughs> and so many words in there that I had to have to stop and go. Oh, I got to learn that word. Uh, so there are so many questions that philosophers have asked, right? That God answers <laughs> for us in Scripture. I've wrote a few of them down. Uh, what is the purpose of life? Oh my goodness. That's the biggest question ever. Why am I here? That's in the Bible. Where did I come from? In the Bible. (laughs) Is there life after death? That's in the Bible too. (laughs) You're three for three. How do I get to heaven? Yep. In the Bible. That's the theme of the Bible. Why? Think about that. God loves us so much that the literal theme of the Bible is how to get to heaven. Mm -hmm. How to get to him. He had a plan. Why is the world full of evil? Answers in the Bible. In the Bible. Why do I struggle to do good? Because you're no good. That's why, right? There's none good. By the way, no, when I say one. because you're no good, I'm also saying we're no good. Yeah, the whole whole world lies in sin. The whole world. So then we have all those questions that the uh, that philosophers ask, 
that are in the Bible. And then the Bible gives us a lot of practical advice in these type of areas. What do I look for in a mate? It's in there. Yeah. How can I have a successful marriage? It's in there. Boy, that's in there. Uh, some of you may not like it because uh, it's not about you. <laughs> Right, right. I mean, it's not a self-centered book. It's really it's a Christ-centered book, it but is, it works. It, it works, works really, really good. Uh, how about this? How can I be a good friend? How can I be a good parent? Boy, on the parent issue, the yeah. Bible would challenge you, mm-hmm. and it doesn't fit the theme for today. I can tell it's you, it's our um, owner's manual. It, what is success and how do I achieve it? Oh, wow. There's a, there's a question that, man, some of these questions we just need to do a podcast on. <laughs> uh, I would tell you this. The, the greatest definition of success, if I can sum it up in one word that would fit the lost and the saved, it's called balance. Yeah foundational balance and then the greatest answer to life unequivocally with anything else is jesus so what is success and how do i achieve it uh balance i'll say that again how can i change oh mm-hmm. the coolest thing about the word of god is it changes you yeah he's Before the potter or the clay and the word touches us and changes right? us. the potter and the clay yeah. we are the clay Uh, What really matters in life? How can I live so that I do not look back with regret? How can I handle the unfair circumstances and bad events of life victoriously? We actually did a podcast uh, called um, How We Can Live Victoriously. It was something about that. At any rate, it was... That was the theme. Yeah, it was about a theme about how to uh, get rid of the the crazy and live victorious. Make our lives count while we're here. And the scriptures lead us, they show us, it tells us. So guys, I'm telling you, man, why study and read the Bible? Because you'll get all these answers. And I think that is pretty incredible because where else are you going to get all these answers with no misleading, no bias, no, uh, um, uh, nobody's opinion. It's just facts. Holy word of God. It is reliable and without error. The Bible is unique among the so-called holy books, right? And it does not merely give moral teaching and say, trust me, because we get a lot of that, right? Trust me, trust me. Well, how do I know I can trust you? The cool thing about the Bible is through the Bible, we have the ability to test it by checking history, hundreds of detailed prophecies, which you do prophecies on Pastor Duke, uh, the, the podcast, and by checking the historical accounts, they're verifiable. They're scientific methodology. Here they are. Uh, that which I always love this phrase: that which is divine has no fear of rational inquiry. Right. And and here's the thing: you can check it scientifically, like you just said. Mm-hmm. One of the interesting things is the round Earth, flat Earth. Well, it's simple. The Earth is round. How do we know that? The Bible says 4,000 years ago it was written in the scriptures. That and they laughed at those scriptures. 
And it says it's science, a sphere. Science mocked the 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 round Earth Bible teaching. Yeah. They mocked it, and then of course until they put satellites up in the uh, yep. sky and took pictures. Yep. And Magellan kind of went west and kept on going. And yeah, and he was like, and landed Wait a back I'm, I'm back side. where I started. Yeah, <laughs> it's got to be round. <laughs> I love how one guy on YouTube goes, I can prove the earth is flat. And then he takes and he takes an egg, holds an egg up and pours water over it. And all the water runs off the egg. And then he takes a plate, pours water on it, and all the water stays. He goes, how do you think the water stays in the lakes? <laughs> <You're>, <laughs> You're an idiot. <laughs> but the Bible says, professing themselves to be, be wise, wise, they, they became fools. fools. Yeah. Right. Ever gaining knowledge and never coming to the truth. It's just such an amazing book. I remember the just <sighs> discovering it as a young man. I got angry. I got angry because I went, uh, like, as a, a little a little guy, I went all the way through Sunday school up through sixth grade. I didn't learn anything right. about the Bible in all those years in Sunday school. And then I got mad because the government took the Bible out of our school, and I discovered the Bible. I discovered my life. Right? And Dude, that's, uh, what, listen, that's what saved my life, man. Yeah. I literally was on a road to destruction and taking down everyone that came in my path. That was no joke. Yeah. Uh, I was so bad that when I got saved, it changed my life. Uh, my wife's dad said, there has to be a God. And I go, there is a God. And he goes, because there's nothing else that can explain the change in you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Isn't that what crazy? A book. What a book. The Listen, B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's, that's the, book the book for, for me. me. <laughs> I stand alone on the, the word, word of God. God. The B-I-B-L-E. Yeah. So we should read and study the Bible because God does not change. And that's the other important fact that I think people miss. God does not change. But man, mankind's nature it doesn't change either. We are just as sinful and, and, and destructive as ever. The heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? But yet God says he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Bible has never flip-flopped. The Bible never changes. But man, oh my goodness, today we support this. Tomorrow we support that. Today we do this. Tomorrow we do that. And it's like today we believe this. Tomorrow we believe that. Holy cow, dude. People flip flop like Yesterday fish. we had two genders. Today, Today we, we got 74. 70, I've missed that 74th. I thought it was 73. Yeah, so. I, actually, I think they're up to 150. Right? Yeah, I, don't, I don't want to offend the 74th. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> that would be terrible, wouldn't it? Right. Make, make the out. 74th gender to be uncomfortable. Dude. Oh, my goodness. Lord, oh, help us. Dear Jesus. All right. That's what happens when you veer away from the book. And that's exactly what happens. It's and, sad. Uh, so we see that God does not change, but we also see that mankind's nature does not change. Yeah. We are sinful to the core and always wanting our own way. I've had that fleshed out through the years. We, my wife and I have been able to travel and go to the great museums and different war museums, and it's the same everywhere you go. Depravity, depravity. What man has done throughout to other men through wars and and not just killing people, but torturing people. The heart is deceitful, desperately wicked, the Bible says, and history proves that true. Yeah, and, and Ecclesiastes 1.9, that which has been is what will be, that which is done is what will be done, and there is nothing new under the sun. And the reason there's nothing new under the sun is because it doesn't change. Yeah, People are people, and they are incredibly selfish. Obviously not everyone, so if it's not you, don't take it personal but incredibly selfish, prideful, 
fearful. Um, Seems like the more manipulative, easily manipulated. Seems like the more selfish somebody is, the more dangerous they are. They really are. And the more hurtful they yeah, become to yeah. everyone around them. Yeah. And and here's the crazy thing. It never changes. Yeah. And the most selfish are the most miserable, and the least selfish are usually the, the most happy. Yes. Yeah, all right. There you go. The, the Bible teaches to be selfless, and that turns into happiness. And the old nature is to be full of self, selfish, leads to misery. Well, and here's the interesting thing. People are always chasing after happiness. But the Bible doesn't talk about God giving us happiness. He talks about giving us joy. And so happiness is contingent on happenings. Mm -hmm. And that's why people are always chasing after things because things are happenings and happenings give us a momentary pleasure. But joy comes from the Lord and only those who rest in him can have joy. And you can have joy without all the things. (sighs) Well, that's the reality. How many people that live in Christ and their world is crumbling down around it. Corey Ten Boom, beautiful example, right? She's in a prison camp. She loves concentration camp, a concentration camp, but she loves Jesus. And so she prays because she didn't have a Bible. She prays, God, all I'm asking for is your word. God, I just want a copy of your word. I just want your word. I want your word. I want your word. Well, one day they're out working, and she ends up with a Bible. It was snuck in. Well, now she's got to sneak it back into her bed. Well, coming through the line to get into your bed, you had to go through in your underwear. So you couldn't hide anything. She took the Bible and stuck it in her underwear. They never made her take her clothes off. They just shoved her through. Because normally you have to take your clothes off, walk through in your underwear, and then you're in. They just shoved her through with her clothes on, didn't make her take it down to her underwear. Just that one night, they let it slip through. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that a coinky dink as the Duke Meister would say? (laughs) (laughs) But think about that. But that's what God does. God gives us joy, and, and, and here she is, in a prison camp, concentration camp, mm-hmm. and she is taking joy in the Lord in the worst of circumstances. Just, just think about that story. What is she risking by taking the Bible? It was her life. Right. She was willing to give her life just to be able to read the Bible. Mm-hmm. What other book you know like that? Yeah, who's going who's gonna to risk their life for a, a, a Harlan Quinn romance novel or source for a Stephen King horror. Yeah. 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 It's just, uh, just the most amazing book. You know, I, I like to use this illustration. You, you can take any book off your shelf, walk through the, uh, any local mall and people see you carrying a book and they won't bat an eye, but you take a Bible and carry it through the mall and you're a freak. People will see it. Uh, a select group of people will sit and be drawn to it. Hey, my favorite book. (laughs) I love that book. And you'll draw a few people in who will love you for carrying it. But you will push the majority. The majority away will see it like, I don't want to talk to him. They'll treat you like you got the plague. Yeah, yeah. No other book will do that. Nope. 
the word of God, the Bible is so important that this is what Jesus said about it. And you quoted it earlier, uh, Matthew four, four, but he answered and said, he being Jesus, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's the Bible. I think of this illustration in the Bible. It was actually something that happened in the, in the wilderness, uh, they were running out of food. Exodus, uh, they, they made it out of Egypt. Now they got 2 million people in the desert. It's like, uh, the McDonald's, is, there's no McDonald's. <laughs> there's no grocery stores. The people are like, okay, we, what do we do now? What do we do? And God sent manna every day. Uh, and you know, they tried to get too much and it rotted, it bred worms. God said, just get for enough for today and trust me, believe in me, continue it. Not just what one. a sweet lesson. And then, you know, on the Sabbath, go out the day before the Sabbath, get two days worth. And it, it, that didn't breed worms and stink. And it was fine the next day. And then no, no manna came on, on the Sabbath. God provided for them and just they got a day of rest. The Sabbath was made for man so he could rest. And uh, that manna physically sustained them. And when the Bible, Jesus is saying, man should not live by bread alone. Uh, it's, it's like that manna. We, I need the Bible every day. Right. And uh, I don't even take well, it and, and the the Bible is literally God supplying life, that spiritual life, as 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 the bread of God, the manna, supplied the physical life. The Word of God takes care of the spiritual, and I'm going to tell you, the spiritual is far more important than the physical, because if your spiritual isn't right, and that you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the physical don't matter at that point, because when you die, you go to hell. Like that's the value in it. If we want to live life to the fullest, and this is what people miss because they think, oh, that's too restrictive. Too yeah, this, it's a too bunch that. of rules. I don't like rules. I don't like rules. But if we want to live life to the fullest, we must listen to and take heed to the written word of God. We should read the Bible and study the Bible because of false teachings. How else are we to know the truth or the original when the counterfeit comes, how are we to know it's counterfeit except for we have read and studied the original? Mm-hmm. And that's what people miss. They're like, oh, well, I believe this. And then the next week you believe something else. And next week you believe something else. There's a problem there. And the problem is you're, spiritual, uh, you're spiritually dead. Well, it's like a ship that has no anchor. And it, it finds it comes up along the shore where there's a bank and there's lots of fish. And they're loving it there, but they don't have an anchor. It just... Yeah. So they, they, you, there's no anchor for our soul. And then the next wind that comes along pushes the the boat either out to sea further or to another to another bank, and and eventually it crashes it and sinks it. You know, for somebody to to build anything, they need measuring accurate measuring equipment, leveling equipment, squaring equipment, yes. and I don't care how valuable the materials are or how skillful. Uh, the people are who are the builders. They need to have those tools. In the Bible, the Word of God are those tools. That's right. Uh, to measure uh, right and wrong, to measure uh, character. It uh, gives us something to compare to and to strive to be. Yeah. And, uh, of course, there's power that comes with the Word of God from the Holy Spirit. To, he doesn't just dangle out in front of us. You right. should be a nice boy like this because I tried and failed to right. be a nice guy. Right. And then uh, after so many failures, you just kind of almost yeah. give up. And, and the word of God is exactly what you said. It is a measuring stick to help us determine truth from a lie. Yeah. 
Absolutely. That is our measure. Listen, if it doesn't measure up to the word of God. You know it's wrong. It's wrong. It's counterfeit. Throw it out. It tells us what God is like. Now, people are like, I know God. Well, I'm going to tell you, if you don't know scriptures, you don't know God. And I was reading, I was reading uh, passages one day, and in it I was stating that Jesus is the judge, right? Jesus is going to judge. Jesus is going to condemn those that don't know him. Jesus is going to punish and sentence to hell. This couple got incredibly offended by it. As a matter of fact, they've never been back since, and that's been a few months ago. And all they kept saying is, God is love. God is love. God is love. Well, okay, God is love. But here's what you told me. You don't know God because you don't know the scriptures because you're, you're telling me I'm wrong as I'm reading the scriptures. I'm not reading my words. I'm reading God's words. So the Bible tells us what God is like. The Bible tells us who God is. And the reality is if you have the wrong impression of God, you're serving a false God. That's hard to hear. But that's true. That's absolutely true. You yeah, know, the enemy uh, has a thousand different flavors of God, little g. And uh, he doesn't care which one of those people choose. Right. Just don't let them know who the true God is. You know, I, I remember uh, I, I've had people through the years that heard about me kind of in a negative light from some people who didn't like me, I guess. And they heard, Oh, pastor Duke, he, you know, he's this, he's that. You had someone that didn't like you. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, terrible. I thought that was only in my <laughs> camp. <laughs> no. And then I've, I had people come and they kind of met me and I, I didn't realize there was like a guardedness. And then right. like a month later, as they've gotten to know me, hear my preaching, what I teach and how I live, how I act, my wife, my kids. And they've come to me and said, you know, we heard some things about you that, <laughs> We don't think they were true. <laughs> and uh, I just think of God just sitting there and he's got all these 7.4 billion people running around the planet with ideas of who he is that aren't even close. And, uh, and then a lot of times they, 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 they get addicted to this false God. Mm-hmm. And then when somebody comes along with truth, like you're reading a they scripture where, nothing God, to do with where it. God is explaining it, then they get mad at you. Yeah. But that's part of the calling. Uh, we're just well, up you know, the truth. It, it's funny because I had... Uh, the similar experience uh, a family came to our church and the wife said, uh, you know, um, so-and-so, which was actually another pastor, shamedly, um, they have talked so bad about you that that's why we never came to the church. And then someone told us about your podcast. I decided to listen to your podcast and I liked what I heard. And then I decided to come visit your church and, I discovered they were liars. Yeah, they gave an evil report and uh, just wasn't true. It wasn't true, right? And and they've been here ever since. And they're I love the family. They're a wonderful yeah, family. Them, they're great people. Yeah, they're you know who I'm talking about. Yeah, they're a wonderful family. And but that's again, that's that's what it is, right? If you when you the only way you know the person is if you spend time with them, and the only way you're going to know God is if you spend time with them. And spending time with him is reading his word in prayer and, and praying. If you don't do that, you're never going to get to know God. Could I say this? The, the entirety of the Bible, in a sense, not every verse, but basically the Bible is God's autobiography. Yeah. And, and along with it, he gives it, the history of the world. And, uh, well, it's, it's his autobiography 
And it's also the autobiography of Jesus. Very specific because it's salvation centered. Everything about the Bible is about salvation and therefore it leads you to Jesus. I just think of one of those early indicators of, of God explaining himself in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. I mean, that's huge. Omniscience, right. omnipotence, all that immutability. But then in Genesis chapter 1, the first chapter, verse 26, God, one God, one true and living God. But he begins to say, okay, there's a little bit more here than what meets the eye, okay? God said, let us yes. make man in our image. That's the plural in Hebrew. I'm not a Hebrew scholar, but in English we have singular. It means one plural, which means two or more. But in Hebrew you have singular, one. Plural is three or right. more. And you have a dual, uh, which is two. A singular, well, the, dual. The, and, and, uh, the very specific word for God in the Hebrew, and I know you know, as soon as I say it, you're going to go, yep. But in the beginning, God or Elohim, Elohim, Elohim is literally God, plural, mm-hmm. which is so cool. And even the Jews were mi- missing it when Christ, the second person of the Trinity, shows up. And, and, and the prophet said, Behold, a virgin will conceive, bear a son, shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. They just had one God, one God, right. one God, yet right in their own language, right in their own face on the first page of their Bible. But they wouldn't, they wouldn't, they, they couldn't get it. Right. Well, obviously the common people did, but right. the scholars were missing. Thinking it. about that, the scholars all through history, there's the scholars that don't yeah. get it because you know why? They're ever learning and never coming to the knowledge of truth. My grandma would say they just got too big for their britches. Yeah. <laughs> right. The When's Bible, the last time you heard that, Johnny? Right. It's been a while. You grew up in Ohio. You heard that. I've heard up. that yeah, one. Yeah, sure. Uh, the Bible tells us how. Uh, how one gets to heaven. The Bible is very specific. There is no other book that's going to tell you how to get to heaven except those who have written a book that have taken it from the scriptures. And the rest, if when you read the scriptures, it's all about Jesus. When you read other books that man has written, it's all about good works and it's all about man. Well, guess what? Something's wrong somewhere. Somebody's wrong. And since man has all these ideas on how to get to heaven, the Bible only has one I'm going with the one. One's all we need. Right? Because everyone else drives me crazy because they can't even settle on it. Right? It's because it's man's way, man's ideology. John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one gets to heaven except through me. Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. And you, being us, that are saved, born again, he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. In other words, you once walked with Satan, but Jesus has made you alive because you have believed in him. Verse three, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. And then verse 4. I love this. But God, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, by the grace of God. Verse 6, and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. 
Verse 7, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, lest anyone should boast. For uh, uh, Let me finish real quick in 10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That is the heart of God. God created us in his own image. He wants us to be his loving children. He wants to dote on us. He wants us to know him. He wants us to love him. He wants us to be with him for how long? Ever and ever and ever. And the thing here is what I love about 8 and 9, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, very explicit. For by grace... That's the grace of God. You have been saved through faith, the fact that you believe what the Bible says, and that not of yourselves. You had nothing to do with it because it is a gift of God, not of works. You didn't earn this because this is something that can't be earned because if you could, you would boast about it. Yeah. Our part is just to receive the gift. It's to believe. And be thankful. Oh, my goodness. And to be overwhelmed and to be full of praise. And to share that gift with others yes. and, uh, and celebrate the gift and be ready to, to uh, that in the ages to come, he may show his exceeding grace yes. to us who, who believe. Ro- uh, Isaiah 53, 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. God the Father has laid on Jesus the Son the iniquity of us of us all. If you were to read Romans 3, uh, 10 through 18, for sake of time, I'm going to read a couple here. There is none righteous. No, not one. We're in Romans 3, 10. There is none righteous. No, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good. No, not one. Their throat is an open tomb with their tongues. They have practiced deceit. The poison of asp is under their lips, whose mouth, and he just goes on and on and on. And the reality is there's none righteous. And so because we're not righteous, we can't get to heaven on our own. It's a nasty list of deplorable behavior (laughs) by people who are dark, evil, hateful, angry, and violent. And he goes, I still love you. I can fix this. Isn't that not amazing? But there's only one way. You must surrender. In Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. us. Because we're deplorables. Let's just be honest, right? Yeah, somebody in a political world was right. They were right. When you're talking uh, spiritually, we were in the toilet before Jesus. all people. All people. All people. Not just a certain political persuasion. Before Jesus. Now, once Jesus comes along and you believe in him, we go from deplorables to a child of God. To adorables. I love it. I From love that. Deplorable to adorable. Look. I love uh, Johnny gave me a point for that one. I could Dude, tell. I'm going to give you three for that one. Man. That is from deplorables to adorables, baby. We need to do a pod. Uh, that's it. That's it. That's it. Deplor- depl- write I'll it down. write it down. Deplorables. From deplorable to okay, I got it. adorable. Dude, okay. that's a podcast. How do you, how do you go from deplorables to adorables. 
The difference is Jesus. He transforms us. Dude, that but was... You, you think about that. Uh, we have those little babies that that come, and the ladies, you know, they're all baby hogs at my house, so I'm telling you, and I'm the low man on the totem right. pole. But <laughs> these little babies haven't done anything, and yet they are adorable. Right. Because they're our, they're our DNA. You know, they are our DNA, and they are adorable. They were kind of, some of us is kind of in them, and how God set that all up, and it is absolutely adorable. And you want to protect that. Right. You want to protect the innocence. You want to protect it health-wise. You will just want to protect it. And that's it. all the stuff in the scriptures. Well, that's what's interesting. The scriptures help you protect them. Yeah. And the world helps you strip them. As a matter of fact, the world right now is teaching them to observe all the things that are destructive, mm-hmm. the lifestyles yeah. and the, oh, my goodness, the activities. Uh, the last one, verse 623, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so what I want you to see is the Bible tells us how we get to heaven. It doesn't, doesn't tell you that you're too bad to get there. It tells you what every human being needs to do to get to heaven. Receive the gift humble, but you won't do that if you're proud. I'll do it on my own. That's right. what Cain did, you know. I'm not going to do it God's way. I'm yeah, doing it my he, way. He wanted to create his own religion. Yeah, yeah. But it's a, it was a false religion by the works that he did. Yep. And his brother just just obeyed God. He just gave the right sacrifice. And, and, and God told Cain, if you do well, I'll receive you. I love you, man, but yeah. I can't make a separate religion for you, dude. Right. You know, and... Uh, and you're going to pay the price. Yeah. God's word shows us just how much God loves us. Now, here's an interesting thing. Because we didn't know God, we didn't know love until God showed us love. And that's what I was telling Shaquille uh, over there as well is, you know what? Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not murder, don't lie, don't commit adultery, don't write on and on and on. We have the Ten Commandments. Have no other gods before me, so on and so forth. Isn't it interesting that all of society, every society lives by those rules? Interesting, isn't From it? From the foundation of the world, they all live by those rules. Where do you find them? Printed on the conscience of man. In the word of God, printed on the conscience of man, who was willing to accept those because society taught them, but not willing to believe them in Scripture because society taught them Scripture is wrong. It's but we're going we're gonna to live by Scripture, but Scripture's wrong. I mean, you're like, let me punch you in the face, man, because you're stupid. I mean, all right, that's not biblical, but you get what I'm I, I follow you, Johnny. <laughs> I'm, I'm messed up. I follow everything you say, dude. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> is that birds of a feather thing? Dude? It's a problem for us, isn't it? Uh, Romans 5, 6, and 8. For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were still pieces of garbage. That's not what the Bible says, but while we were sinners. still sinners, Christ died for us. Notice what I've, I've noticed what you've been doing with this Bible study. You keep dragging in the gospel. The good news. That's all we got, baby. Christ died for us. He rose for us. He's coming for us. He loves us and he wants us. Yeah. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, that's people, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. 
The Bible shows us how much God loves us, that he withheld nothing from us. As a matter of fact, he sacrificed, the father sacrificed his most precious, valuable, innocent gift to purchase filthy rags. I stand amazed in his presence. Amazing grace. Who would ever do that? No, only God. And when you look up filthy rags, there's two arguments for it. Some say that the filthy rag is a woman's menstrual cycle, the, you know, the rag from their uh, menstrual cycle. And others say that it is the rags that were taken off of the leper. Yeah, I've heard those both too, and either one of them speak to God's grace. No, and I will tell you this. Uh, I would lean more toward the leper, and the reason I would lean more toward the leper is because one man's disease infects another man's disease and kills yeah. all of them. Whereas if you're talking the, uh, the there's cloth no, of yeah. the, of the female, there's no contagion on that. It, yeah, there's no exactly. contagion and it doesn't bring forth death. Yeah. But the leper, yeah, his rags bring forth death. You handle those rags. You're going to be in the leper colony yourself. Yeah. And then the Bible says that references people as filthy rags that only bring disease and death and God says, I'm going to send my innocent son to die for those filthy rags. That's how much he loves us. Yeah. It's a book of redemption, isn't it? Oh, my goodness. Man. The redemptive story woven all the way through the scriptures is so, so clever that, man, you could never have done it. But, on the you know, on the first page uh you know, God creates his paradise, and uh, and then in the third page, the paradise is broken by sin and Adam and Eve's sin, and then we have the Redeemer is revealed. God begins to unfold his plan to bring man back. So Satan, who thought he won, I brought him down. God said, no, nah, 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 not so quick, dude. Yeah, go lay down somewhere, buddy. Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God slain from the foundation, foundation of the world. And God began to unfold that plan right. in the Bible uh, of his love. And then, of course, as you get into these verses, these are the climax verses. This is where yeah. you back off and say, wow. Yep. But it was just unfolding throughout the Old Testament. Well, and, and here's, the, here's the cool thing. As it unfolds from Old Testament and the New Testament, what we find is as we learn about God's love for us, then we're drawn to love him in return. Yeah. John 4.19 says, We love him, God, Jesus specifically, because he first loved us. So once we understand his love for us, we're drawn to love him because we have an appreciation at that point. The Bible equips us to serve God, 2 Timothy 3.17, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good, good work. work. Ephesians 6.17, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And so we can serve God because we use the word of God. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and joints of the moral and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Oh, that's for equipping us. I have complete, yeah, equips us to serve him. And so literally we can use the word of God as a mirror and we can use a word of God, the word of God as a mirror for us and a magnifier to identify others. Mm -hmm. 
you it know, goes I've, both ways. I've, I'm on nearly 50-year journey with the Word of God, and if somebody were to ask me now, after 50 years, why do you study the Bible? You know, it just it would put me back on my seat and say, wow, it changed everything. I had questions. Now I have answers. Mm. I was in the dark, and now I'm in the light. I was full of hate and anger. Now I'm full of love and peace. Um, yeah, you were full of pride and selfishness. And, and now I'm... You gave yourself for others. The, uh, the knowledge of the Bible humbles me, right. and I, I don't want to use people to get where I want to go. I want to give myself to help people, and then wherever God allows me to land, it, I'm fine with that. This book changes everything. Well, Second Timothy talks about exactly what you just said, that it helps us, it helps us to know how to be saved from our sin. Right to take us from dark to light, to take us from evil to good, to take us uh, from ourselves to others. And Second Timothy three fifteen says, "And that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures." Paul talking to Timothy now, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. The scriptures are able to make you wise for salvation. Meditating on God's word and obeying His teachings brings us success in life. Joshua 1.8 says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. You And I, I love the word in it. Yeah. In. In yeah. it. Yeah. That's a sweet word. Not on it. In. Yeah, yeah. That means that you literally are getting into it. How about that that New Testament word? I forget words. I've talked about the, able, the engrafted the, word. Yeah. I have some gra uh, a little orchard, and I have these root stock for apple trees that are just kick butt, and they're powerful. And then they take a little twig from another ver variety of tree, and they graft it, it in. in. And so you're giving that massive root system to that that graft, and and where the word is grafted into That's our right. lives, it literally becomes a part of us, and and he, he our DNA. Yeah, and it imparts to us his wisdom. And I've seen young people really committed to Christ and their maturity and their wisdom far exceeds the people we're trying to teach them a lot of times. Yeah. And it has to do with age and maturity. It has to do with commitment to Christ. Right. And they, their mind is not full of darkness. Because Listen, because I know, I know 20-somethings that are far more mature in Christ than 60-somethings. I've, I've married couples that were like, Kids are like 18, 19 years old. People say, they're too young to get married. I say, no, they're plenty enough committed to Christ to be, their marriages are fine. And some of the strongest marriages that have ever come out of the 330 weddings that I've done were very, very young. It's interesting. Uh, a guy was at the, one of these weddings where the kids are pretty young. He said, why do they get married so young? Why? And he said, why do Christians get married so young? I said, to avoid fornication. <laughs> <laughs> he said, there's the answer. But these kids were young, and they were pure, right. and, and they loved God, and they made great choices. Well, and, and, and they grew up together. They had wonderful marriages. Yeah, and you know why? Because they kept themselves, like the Word of God says, so now when they get married, they have nothing to compare each other to. Yeah, and that's sweet? So there's nothing to destroy it. Yeah. What are you uh, saying? God's ways are better than I man? I think God's ways are way yeah. better than man. As a matter of fact, in Joshua 1.8, 
This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Remember I said earlier that people were like, hey, man, what's the secret to success? I'm going to tell you they're right here. Meditate in the word of God. The engrafted word. Oh, my goodness. James one twenty five says, But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. You look into the perfect word of God, you do what it says, and you will be blessed. I have a really sweet memory on that verse. I'm uh, newlywed. I, I graduated from college. I was employed by the college. I, I, and I, my, my graduation was the, the pink slip. Yeah, I, I couldn't be a dorm supervisor. So now I'm married. I need a job really bad. And I got hired by Lakes Country Rehabilitation Center, Springfield, Missouri. And they'd made me the workshop director. I got a little three-year degree <laughs> from non-accredited Bible college. And I put on the RCEP committee, Rehab Continuing Education Program under Health Education and Welfare. I have no idea what I'm doing, but I had a fire burning in my heart. And they put me in my office. I have no clue what I'm doing. And I randomly, because I always carried a Bible with me, I randomly opened my Bible in my empty office with a phone and an empty desk, a pen, and a yellow pad. And I turned to that verse. Whoever looketh in the perfect law of liberty, the word of God, and continueth there, be not forgetful here, but a doer of the work, he'll be blessed in his deed. I said, Lord, I want this. I want to be a good testimony for you here. I don't know how to do this job. I don't know where to start, <laughs> but you put me here, and so I'm going. To, I'm committing myself to being a biblical businessman. I'll be biblically compliant. One year later, I resigned to come to New York and, and start our church. And we had relocated the workshop, and it, it just took off under my watch. Amen. We had procured these jobs from local industries, and it was a place where it was a sheltered workshop where handicapped people could come and get work evaluation programs, work adjustment programs, placement. <clears throat> and uh, in one year, God established that workshop through that, that 23-year-old kid that didn't know anything about business. Right. I just love God. And I was looking into the perfect law of liberty. You saw, yeah, you you recognize your weaknesses. You recognize God's strength. And ask him to intervene for me. Yep. And he did. And and the boss there was a, a Christian. And he we used to actually pray at our staff meetings. It was right. really cool. We had a couple of people get saved while we were there. But when every time I see that verse, it takes me back to sitting on that chair in that dark little office. And I say, God, show yourself mighty. But you see, that's the... We're talking about this book. This is the power of the book to take us. We're not really prepared for this, but he's with us and he guides us. He opens doors. And so along with the biblical instructions, there's the Holy Spirit empowerment to do what he says. And when we do it, all heaven breaks loose. Absolutely. God's word helps us see sin in our lives and helps us get rid of it. Psalm 119.9. Are you ready for this? How can a young man cleanse his way? Great question, right? The verse answer right after it, same verse, you have the answer. By taking heed according to your God, your word. With my whole heart have I sought you. Right? And that that's the key, man. It's got to be with the whole heart. You got to be sold out to do this. In Psalm 119.11, your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. It is the word. And by the way, we only sin against God, right? We yeah. offend others, but we sin against God. Yeah. And how do we not sin against God? We hide his word in our heart. 
It gives us guidance in life, making us wiser than our teachers. Psalm 32, 8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. One nineteen ninety nine. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. All the teachers in the world are teaching me the way of the world, and I have more understanding than all of them because of my meditations on your word, God. That's literally what that says. Yeah, it's enlightenment. Yes. Biblical enlightenment. And uh, it's a lamp to our feet. Oh, my goodness, right? A guide. I'm probably taking your scriptures away. No, you could, no you're not. A Go guide ahead. to our path, the power of the word of God as, it, as we, we choose to receive it mm-hmm. by choice, by passion. Well, and we allow God to influence us. Yeah. We allow God into our life, into our heart, into our mind, into our ears, into our eyes, into our mouth. And what happens is... When we get full of God, that's the only thing left to come out. And then when we do that, we circle back around to where you began this podcast uh, thoughts, these great life questions that the philosophers, they hit, you know, of course, hippies, we adopted that, you know, <laughs> who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? Right. What is truth? Right. Just give me some truth. Right. John Lennon, I used to sing with him on that song. Yeah, but... But the Word of God answers every one of those questions. Every one, and to do it, man, I was so lost. I was so hard. And we're finding Scripture. That's right now. We're answering your many questions just in the verses we're in. Yeah, yeah. Isn't it amazing? Psalm uh, Proverbs one six to understand a proverb and an enigma, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is in the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So, listen, I'm telling you, the Bible gives us guidance, and it gives us direction. It gives us understanding. It, it, it lifts us up. It tears us down. It put, takes us apart. It puts us together so that when it's all said and done, when the wind and the storms of the sea come in, we stand. Mm-hmm. Like a rock. Like, well, like a tree planted by the rivers of water brings forth its fruit. Proverbs 1, baby. You know, I'm sitting here. Or so, Psalm 1, I mean, Psalm 1. I'm, I'm so blessed. Uh, I'm in the final part of my journey. I'm 67 years old. And it was 50 years ago when coming from darkness and hardness and, and drugs and everything, you know, we kind of have the same background. And then here I sit. I should have been in prison. I should have been dead. And I'm not. And somebody, a 17-year-old girl, puts a Bible, kind of shakes it in my face. Not not in my face, but just presents it to me. Have you ever read this book? Because I was kind of condemning, making fun of it. I told her it's full of contradictions. And she said, can you show me one? Right. Yeah, that's that's. I love that uh, question yeah. when people go, "Oh, it's full of contradictions." Uh, and I, I don't even tell them to show me one. I say, "Just name one." Yeah. Well, I don't know right off. Well, because it's not full of contradictions. Yeah, I was that guy. But I will tell you what it does is the Bible keeps us from wasting our years. Ooh, I love that, Johnny. Yeah, I know that both of us when we when we got hit over the head with the with the scriptures, we listened. That was the wisest thing we ever did. Right. Start listening. And then Jesus started taking the place of, of what we were, and it's all good. Matthew seven twenty four through 27. Therefore, this is Jesus speaking. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them 
will be likened to a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and great was its fall. And so if you're looking for answers and you don't want to waste your life, here's where you start. The sad part is this is usually the last place people go to. It should be the first. The first. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Reading and studying the Bible helps us learn from others' mistakes. Uh, you know, they say experience is the great uh, is the is a great teacher, but when it comes from learning the hard way, it can be a harsh teacher, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Especially when sin gets its grip, and it's so much better to learn from others. So throughout Scripture, another thing that the Bible does is it gives us Bible characters that we can learn from, the positive and the negative, right? The good and the bad, the ugly and the and the beautiful. Uh, I I picked. David, because David actually exemplified both. He sure did. Man after God's own heart, and then... Uh, a wicked, yeah, yeah sinful man. David, David, in his defeat to Goliath, teaches us that God is greater than anything he has asked us to face. That's a, it's a wonderful thing, right? Because David steps up, and God, God calls him to, to uh, kill the giant, and David steps up. And he slays the giant. But why? Because he's, my God will protect me. I don't need all this armor. My God's got me. All I he's need trusting is trusting him. Trusting, trusting. trusting him. And it was beautiful. And then God calls him into to service. Then David, while giving in to temptation, commits adultery with Bathsheba. And that one sin brings a life, a life, a life of uh, consequences, terrible consequences. He opened a door to the enemy to wreak havoc because of his sin. Yeah. And if you want to read about David and Goliath, that's in 1 Samuel 17. And if you want to read about David and Bathsheba, it's 2 Samuel 11. And it just shows, because you know what happened was David was supposed to go out and and be at war and be with his men. And David decides to stay home and do nothing. And Satan got into the idol mind. Mm-hmm. Second Samuel. He disengaged from the battle and um, he became a casualty. Yeah. The Bible is not just a book for merely reading. The Bible is God's word. It has binding and laws of nature and we can't ignore it. But if we do it's to our own detriment and it's kind of like ignoring the law of gravity. It'll get you. You can think that if you jump out that plane, you can walk on a cloud. <laughs> but I promise you. Ain't going to work. It's not going to work. Yeah. There's laws that govern the universe. And the Bible explains this to us. The spirit world that we live. And when we live without the knowledge of the Bible, we can fall casualty to almost any whim of the devil. Yep. And, and one of the whims is uh, you don't need to know the Bible. All you need to know is God. But the truth is you can't know God without without knowing knowing the Bible. Bible. Absolutely. Hey, guys, let me just say this, that when it comes to reading and studying the word of God, it's like digging or mining for gold. You can get in there and dabble and you might get some gold dust, but you get in there and dig and be patient and be resilient to the fact that you aren't going to leave it and you'll start finding gold nuggets and you'll be richer for it. That's what the Word of God does for us. It changes our lives, changes everything about us, and it helps us to see truth and to live in that truth. 
Whether good, bad, or indifferent comes your way, you'll be solid, solid, solid. Hey, guys, if this has helped you, please like, share, subscribe, and follow. And until next week, God bless. God bless.